0: The four. From the Finley Chevrolet Fox Sports Las Vegas studios and live at LBSportsNetwork.com with your hosts, Darren Millard and Ryan Wallace.
1: Hour number two rolling along here on a Wednesday, or as I like to call it, a game day. Game day, non-game day, that's essentially where we're at right now in the season for the Vegas Golden Knights. Ryan Wallace broadcasting live from T-Mobile Arena. Chris Chapman back inside the Finley Fox Sports finley chevrolet fox sports las vegas studios darren millard looks like he'll be on tv once again today again the update on darren millard on the horizon i love it when i get to uh talk about the the injury update and when we might see or hear better better phrasing here uh darren millard back on the program I, i think that he's got a target date in mind from from the last update i heard but I'm not going to divulge that information. I'm going to play it close to the vest. I'm going to uh, just say on the horizon. That's where we're going with Darren Millard, the injury update on him. But you should be able to see him once again on your television today as he does pregame, intermission, and postgame. I will be on at 6 o'clock for the pregame show leading into Vegas and we'll hear from Dan Duva later on tonight as well on the call. So a lot to get to here in hour number two. Some sound from earlier today, and Chapman, I want to start off with, I think, the most compelling quote of morning skate for the Vegas Golden Knights, and that's courtesy of Matthias Janmark, and what it's been like over the last month playing hockey, trying to chase points.
0: Yeah, it's a little bit different that way. Uh, I feel like if I would draw sim- similar, uh, it feels like we've been down 2 nothing in a playoff series for about a month there, and We've been doing a good job, and we've been winning games, but like you say, you don't get that much closer. You don't get two, two if you win two in a row. Uh, we've been winning six in a row and we've been still down two nothing, so uh, it is hard, uh, but it's the situation we put ourselves in, so uh, just gotta, like I said, approach it like do or die these last couple of games and put it all out there and, and then see where it takes us.
1: You know, it's such an interesting concept because in a playoff series, if you're down 2 nothing, you score or you win two games in a row, you're back to square, you're back even. And I think the point that Matthias was making there at the end, the tail end of the clip, is that it's frustrating when you're not the one that's controlling your own destiny, right? Like, in a playoff series, you win two, you're right back in the series. Because the only thing you're competing with is the team that you are opposite against. And in this situation, it's not just that the Golden Knights have to win their games, but you have to look at every other aspect of of the playoff race and who's around the Golden Knights and who they're chasing down. And more often than not, over the course of the last 10 games, when the Golden Knights have won, the teams around them have won. And when the Golden Knights have lost, it feels like the teams around them have won. So the ground that they should be making up is not being made up, Chris Chapman.
0: Yeah, you know, and it, it's funny because I, when I listened to Yanmark, first of all, the question was, I thought, really good. And that basically he was asked what you know, the, the, to, to, to just walk us through what it's been like the last month where... Exactly what you said. You win some games and you don't make up any ground. You lose games and it seems like the teams are winning. So, you know, I, I find Yanmark to be a bit refreshing in, in some ways because I feel like a lot of times he's very candid, and I feel like he's very intelligent, and you can hear it in that in that answer that he gave. But he's right. Like, there it's just there's been there's a point where you just have to throw your hands up and be like, what what else is going to happen? Because we win, the Kings win. We lose, the Kings win. The Kings lose, we lose. So I I get that frustration, and and I can hear it the way he gives that answer. That there's 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 a lot of feeling in that locker room that there, there there's only so much we can do. Like they were never going to run the table. They weren't going to go nine and zero or whatever it was down the stretch. But you need some help, and they haven't gotten it.
1: Yeah, I, it was a really interesting glimpse into the the other aspect of this. There's there's physical exhaustion and then there's kind of mental fatigue and I think that's kind of the angle that I think is is lost a lot when you're talking about a playoff chase down the stretch is not only you you got to go in every single night and whether or not your body's ready to go you've got to lay it all on the line you've got to find ways to win but there's something that happens when you're looking around and you're watching the scoreboard and you're seeing teams around you win or you're not picking up points at the rate you'd like to or closing the gap at the rate that you'd like to mental fatigue sits in and it's it's a very real thing this time of year where you get mistakes that you wouldn't ordinarily get because i think that there's a lot of mental fatigue in an 82 game season generally but especially when you're chasing down a playoff spot
0: yeah and and it started in game one with this team if if you really want to you know set it up because Yammark actually was out game one right he had COVID and it took him a long time to to get back into game shape so I'm sure on an individual level this has been a pretty frustrating season for him as well because he didn't get to start it the way he wanted then the team goes through a lot of injuries different players he's playing with every night you know, there's a point where he's playing with AHL guys, and and it's not a knock on those players, but there's a reason they're in the AHL and not in the NHL. So, mental fatigue is real. I I agree with you, and I think we all have moments in our in our lives where sometimes it feels like things just pile up, and no matter how hard we work to fix it, it's not. It's like I I, I kind of look at it like debt, right? Like. You, you you get that credit card, and you're, you, you, oh, I'm, I'm only going to use it in an emergency. And then you have to use it, and you f- you spend three, four months trying to repay what you used it for, and that's kind of what the Golden Knights are going through. They got themselves in a little bit of debt, and you start, we, we could go back to that five-game road trip. They, they, they basically spent money that they didn't have, and now they're trying to catch back up and, and, and get even, and it seems like it's an impossible task.
1: So Pete DeBoer did talk about the frustration that that undoubtedly will come in when you're not getting the help you need around you.
2: Well, I'm going to quote one of our players uh, uh, yesterday that every day in the NHL is a good day. So, um, you know, and there's a lot of truth to that. and You got to remind yourself of that sometimes because, uh, you know, you can drag it around with you. Um, but, you know, it is a good day, and we're, we're still one of, you know, there's probably 13, 14 teams that are playing out the string here. You know, that's almost 300 players, 250, 300 players, and we're not one of those teams. We're, 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 we're still right in the, the thick of things here. So it's a good day, and, and you can't, uh, you know, let your attitude or energy be affected by, you know, things that you don't control. That's such an interesting
1: quote because I one I I feel like if I close my eyes and think about it, you can probably realistically think there's six or seven guys, maybe eight or nine guys on this team that that quote can be from, right? Like like Pete doesn't give us the name of the player, but I, I think that there are a number of guys on this team that have that sentiment, that that have the the thought process that you're in the NHL, you get to come to work every day, this is your job it's a good day it's a good situation to be in yeah it, it sucks that you're fighting this late in the season for your playoff lives but the fact of the matter is you're still in the fight and i think that that's an important message coming into this game against the capitals team that is very dangerous the fact that the golden knights mindset based on that is in the right spot i think is, is very positive going into this game
0: yeah and and i i also my wine my mind wanders as to who actually said that but The other thing he said that was really interesting, and it's something that I think you've kind of been harping on because I've heard some of your pregame shows and a little bit of your postgame shows, is that, hey, you know what, the fans, they're getting playoff hockey right now. Yeah. This team has been playing very important games for the last three, four weeks where it's almost like every game is a playoff game. And I guess in in some ways there's something to that, like, hey, it could be worse. You could be a, a Sharks fan. You could be a Ducks fan. You could be a Devils fan. And all you can look forward to is your team ruining someone else's season. That's, that's not a good position to be in. That kind of sucks. Knowing, I mean, for, for Devils fans, their season's been over since January. Yeah. Like they played a legit, meaningful game since prior to the All-Star break. And there's, that's the case for almost every team in the East outside of the eight that are making the playoffs. I mean, Columbus, same type of thing. The Islanders, a team that had Stanley Cup aspirations, they haven't played a meaningful game since January. So, I, th- I think there's something to what Pete said. Like, hey, look, you know what? These games are meaningful, and and the players understand that. And and yeah, but on the other end of that, it's still good to be an NHL player. Like, it's it's great to be in the NHL. You get, you get paid to play hockey. So, it, it, it's it's a really interesting quote. And yeah, I I I, I kind of wonder who who actually was the player who who said that.
1: Yeah, I, I wonder too. But again, I think that I can envision it coming from multiple guys on the team. And I think that that's more more to the point of you you have an opportunity in front of you. It still is possible for the Golden Knights to make the playoffs. There is still hope there. And as long as you have hope, you've got to lean into that as heavily and as hard as you possibly can. Uh, one of the things that's going to be looked at this game In my perspective, and it's shared from Pete DeBoer, is the first goal of the game. I think that it's massively important for the Golden Knights to score first, and Pete talked about that.
2: Well, I think it's both. I think, uh, um, you know, when when you get that lead, I think uh, your team relaxes a little bit, and you don't have, you're not carrying that shift-to-shift pressure of, We have to create something here. We have to get back in it. And it's it's an easier game. You can stick pucks in good places. You can be patient. Uh, You can do those things. On the flip side of that, when you're behind, you know, the natural reaction is you've got to push here. And and sometimes uh, that's counterproductive, a lot of times, you know, bad pinches, trying to do too much. so it's a, it's a slippery slope that uh, you have to handle and, and you have to count that you, you've got a veteran group that can handle that.
1: Ordinarily going into a game, I have a feeling. I, I have a tendency to lean one way or another as to what I think or expect is going to happen in the game. The only expectation that I have going into this one is first goal of the game is is vitally important i think if vegas gets the first goal of the game we're looking at a very tightly contested game a game that i can absolutely see the golden knights winning if washington's able to come in and get the first goal of the game i think it becomes an incredibly difficult task to keep pace with the capitals because i just think that that pressure starts to build and build and build and from what we've seen out of the golden knights over the last little bit here it's that they frankly will push the pace too much when they're down and it opens up more scoring opportunities. So as, as simplistic as it sounds, the Golden Knights need to score first in this game tonight.
0: Yeah, and Matthias Janmark kind of echoed those sentiments. He, he, he basically said almost the same thing that Pete said, in that the, the team seems to play differently. And he said outside of Calgary, where, where they gave up that first goal, they felt really good about where they were at, even though Calgary scored that first goal. I, I don't know what it is about this team because we, we talk about the veteran leadership and we talk about all the skill players they have. I don't know why it changes when they fall behind a goal. And it, it was weird because even though they were behind in the first period the other night against New Jersey, you never really felt like New Jersey was in control of that game. You've, you kept thinking, oh, these guys are going to score. They're going to score. But as the game went on, you're like, boy, they're missing a lot of shots. They're putting the puck over the net a lot. They're putting it wide a lot. They're putting it right in the, the as Max Patrick said, the pillows of, of Andrew Hammond. So, I, I can't explain it why a team this good plays so different when they're only down a goal. Like, it, it just doesn't make sense to me.
1: Well, I, I think it, it speaks to what we've talked about uh, on this show today with Jesse Granger in, the, in what Pete's kind of talked about over the last couple of days. And in that historical um, anomaly where the Golden Knights are, are unable, unable to find the offensive touch in the big-time moments, I think pressure has something to do with it. I think expectations has something to do with it. And I, I think that when you're not confident in your ability to score on quality chances, you start to press the issue looking for better opportunities. And you know, for the Golden Knights, their best, most consistent way to put the puck in the back of the net is off the rush. The best chances the Golden Knights have do not stem from their extended zone time. It stems from their ability to get into transition, to make stretch passes, and to either come in on a breakaway or a two-on-one. And the only way to do that reasonably consistently in the nhl is to break pucks out cleanly but also blow the zone so that you're getting behind the defense and if you're able to do it and you connect great but if you're forcing those plays through traffic or if you're blowing the zone way too quickly it leads to odd man rushes against and i think that the golden knights are getting into into a trap where they feel they've got a score in transition so they're forcing the transition opportunities and then one goal a one goal deficit leads to a two goal deficit or a three goal deficit and that's really what it's been it's been a i think a lack of trust in their ability to score when they're when they have extended zone time in the offensive zone that's leading to them taking more risky chances in transition and that's ultimately what's undoing them
0: yeah and i think the edmonton game was a, was a pretty good example of that because they they played really well up until they gave up that goal in the third period. You know, they were in the game the, the whole time, and then all of a sudden you give up a, a, a goal on the first shift of the third period, and it becomes almost insurmountable at that point because then the pressure really, really gets on because, oh, well, now we got to score two goals against a goalie who's playing really well, and and it, it's it was just one of those games where had they scored the first goal of the third period, maybe they win that game in regulation. Like, you, you just don't know, but giving up That second goal, because they were trying to do too much, they ended up getting caught, and and it cost them two points. So here's a a cut
1: from Zach Whitecloud, who talked about personal accomplishments and what it means if this team does not make the playoffs. None of that matters if, you know, when it comes down to where we're at right now, this is a team thing. Uh, I don't focus on myself one bit. If whatever I'm asked to do, I'm going to do for the team. Uh, you know, if I have a chance to score, I'm going to score to help the team. If I have a chance to defend, kill penalties. I'm going to kill penalties. Um, none of the personal accolades stuff matters on our team. You know, we, we're trying, we're trying to achieve a team goal here and, and get into the playoffs here. And, and uh, it takes every single guy on the roster every night, and it takes everyone in that locker room. Love that from Zach Whitecloud, and, and it's it's been something that has been present in his commentary consistently since breaking in with this Golden Knights team there there have been times where Zach's been asked to to compare himself to another defenseman and and he's quick to shut that down in that he's Zach Whitecloud he has a skill set that he brings to the table for the betterment of this team and the only thing that matters at the end of the day is whether or not this team wins or loses goals assists points those personal metrics that players define their seasons around they aren't necessarily on the mind of Zach Whitecloud because the only thing this kid wants to do is play meaningful hockey, and you've seen it year in and year out.
0: Yeah, I, I, I like the answer as well because I, I, I think he's willing to do whatever it takes for the team, and he said it. They want me to they want me to do this, I'm going to do it. He is, first of all, the the comment alone stands out to me as, as the kind of quote that you would get from a guy who's a team leader, uh-huh. and yeah. despite the fact that Zach is a really young guy, that's a that's a very mature comment from, from Zach Whitecloud, and and I think he, he's right. Like, for a lot of guys in that locker room, and maybe every player in that locker room, I don't know, but I would imagine it to be the case, they don't care about how many goals they score or how many assists they have. The only thing that matters is winning to this team, and I, I, I just think that it shows a lot of maturity by Zach to make that comment and, and say, hey, look, you know what? Yeah, it's great that... that I've done this and that, but that doesn't matter. What matters is is winning and playing meaningful hockey.
1: And you need everybody buying into that. And, and I think for a Golden Knights team uh, that that is, is looking at needing a win here tonight and needing to run the table, the fact that you're getting that predominantly from these media availabilities gives you an idea of where the Golden Knights are at going into this game. It's going to be an important one. It's going to be a big one. And the biggest thing that Vegas has to do tonight is shut down Alex Ovechkin. And we know the damage that Ovechkin can do on the power play. So Peter DeBoer talked about how you need to have a plan.
2: You know, I mean, he, he's the one guy you really have to talk about. I think, you know, when we're, when we're talking about other teams' power plays particularly um you know we try and 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 concentrate on what we want to do as opposed to individual personnel on the other team Uh, but he is the one guy because of what he does is so special that that you have to make sure you have a plan for chris chapman i want to ask you this question
1: uh what would your plan be to stop alex ovechkin on the power play
0: I I don't know, honestly, and I I think it goes to something that Jesse said, right? Like, if you go into that game and you're focused solely on stopping Ovechkin on the power play, there's a lot of talent around him on that number one power play unit that one of those other guys is going to beat you if that's your sole focus. What I find really interesting about Pete's comment is when we talk to the players and you talk to them about guys like McDavid or... Johnny Goudreau or Austin Matthews, the elite of the elite players in the league, a lot of times you hear them say, we just have to play our game. We don't adjust based on an individual player. Mm -hmm. But I find it really interesting when Pete says that this guy is so special when he sets up his desk in that office that we have to really focus on him and stopping him. It it, it really speaks to how good he is at what he does. And like Like I said in the first segment, it's almost like like Steph Curry. You can do whatever you want on him defensively. He's just so good at shooting the basketball that he can hit it sh- pretty much anywhere on the court and beat you. That's kind of like what it is with Alexander Ovechkin when he gets in that circle on the power play. It's just it's fun to watch. You realize at the time, and and, I, and sometimes maybe you don't realize it because you're cheering and you don't want him to score. But when we get to watch a guy like that play, we are watching one of the all-time great elite players, elite scorers in the history of the league. And, and yeah, it, it is special, and, and I enjoy every time he comes to town and you get to see the yellow, the yellow laces in the skates because you know that that guy could do something absolutely special every time he gets on the ice.
1: So the funny thing with Ovechkin is that even if you just put a guy right in front of him on the power play and you just elected voluntarily to play four-on-three everywhere else on the ice, you can still feed a puck to Ovechkin, he can still one-timer that thing, and he can still put it home. Like There's no stopping it. And I think that's the most intriguing thing about Alex Ovechkin throughout his career and even still this year, is that you know it's coming, You know how they're going to get the puck over there. You know that it's going to be a one-timer. You know that it's going to be right off the blade into that short side of the net, and yet you can't do anything about it. Even if you have somebody on him the entire time, even if your goaltender makes a perfect read, even if your goalie arrives there on time, square, compact, you can't defend against it and i think it says something for a guy that has been in the league since 2005 2006 that he can still do it and he can't be stopped it's astounding and it is greatness personified
0: yeah and, and you look back over the course of his career first of all he's got 285 power play goals most guys would, would say that's a pretty good career in the nhl 285 185 goals but some of the seasons, he had a season where he scored 25 power play goals. I mean, that's that's unbelievable to think that he's scoring that many goals from that one spot because you know that's where he's shooting the puck from. He's got 16 this year, 16 power play goals. It, it, it's truly remarkable how good he is at that specific shot, at that specific spot on the ice. It, it, and, and like you said, there's just nothing you can do to stop it, I mean, outside of tackling him when he gets the puck, and you don't want to do that.
1: Well, we've seen him score goals from from his back yeah. before, so even <laughs> if you tackle him, Maybe there's really not much you can do. Yeah.
0: <laughs> oh man, yeah, that, that's one of the great goals in NHL history, right there, too. But I mean, he is he he he's just so special, and and I I love I love watching him play, and 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 I know fans sometimes get mad at me because I gush over the guy, but. Sure. I mean, Ryan, it, it's just so special. It's like I I never got to watch Gretzky play live. I, I just never had the chance. Mm-hmm. And I don't know when you were little if if you got to see him when he was with the Kings live. Oh, I did. So yeah, so did. like you you understand when you when you're watching greatness and you're watching just an all time elite player. There's just something about it, and and sometimes you have to take a step back. And even if he's killing your team, you just have to appreciate what you're watching because. It, it it's like, it's like being able to, and I'll make a reference to last season for us. It's like watching Picasso, paint a picture. It's like being in the studio with Da Vinci when he's painting the Mona Lisa. It's just you have to appreciate the greatness that you're witnessing.
1: Yeah, no, I, I'm right there with you. But for the Golden Knights, the 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 plan tonight is to not allow alex ovechkin and his greatness in putting the puck in the back of the net beat you in this game in which the golden knights absolutely need two points it's not often you talk about regular season games as must win games but the fact of the matter is for the golden knights every single game the rest of the year is a must win contest and they've got to come with their best effort tonight against the washington capitals we've got one-timers coming up next on the vgk insider show Maybe a two-on-one. Petrangelo gets it. He
0: shoots. He scores. It's time for one-timers. One-timers. Short-handed goal. Alex Petrangelo. Quick looks at some of the biggest stories of the day on the VGK Insider Show.
1: One-timers brought to you by Paul Powell. More lawyers, less fee. It's our daily look around the NHL news and notes. Let's start off with the New York Rangers. Uh, Jesse Granger brought up a really interesting point about Gerard DeLant kind of being in the running for the Jack Adams based on where the Rangers are at right now. 106 points tied with the Carolina Hurricanes for top spot in the Metropolitan Division. The Rangers picked up their 50th win the other night. Igor Shosturkin, back-to-back shutouts. His last two outings improved to 36-11-4. and this year and became the first rangers goaltender since henrik lundquist obviously to re- to record six shutouts in a season here's the most interesting stat when it comes to shesterkin in games where he's faced more than 30 shots on goal he's 21 3 2. 21 3 and two in games in which he has faced more than 30 shots on goal i know yesterday i said that i'm making way for johnny goudreau into the Hart conversation and i was ready to come off of igor shesterkin there yeah i'm not doing it i'm sorry recency bias i can't do it igor shesterkin belongs in the heart trophy conversation based on that statistic alone but the question that i have for you chris chapman as you look at the new york rangers 106 points, 50 wins on the year. Chris Kreider's a 50-goal scorer. Igor Shesterkin is the story, in my opinion, when it comes to the Rangers. Are they legitimate contenders because Igor Shesterkin has been that good?
0: Yes. Yes, they are. Because this time of year, it comes down to goaltending. And they've got maybe the best in the game right now. So I understand it'll be his, his you know, he's still relatively young. He hasn't exactly gone through the grind of of a deep NHL playoff run, but neither did, did Jordan Bennington the year that St. Louis Blues won the Stanley Cup. And he was absolutely phenomenal in that in that playoff run for the for the Blues. So uh, yeah, that I, I do think the Rangers are a serious contender, especially in the East where it doesn't where it seems like there's a whole bunch of teams that could come out of there. It's really gonna depend on matchups if there's an upset or two. So, yeah, I, I, I absolutely am on board with the Rangers being a contender in the East.
1: Okay, let me ask you another question. Who has been the bigger influence in the Rangers' success this season? Is it Gerard Gallant and the coaching that he has done, or has it been Igor Shisterkin and the the play that he has provided all season long?
0: Well, I I, I like Gerard, and I think he's a good coach, and I I think he certainly has had some influence, right? He brought in some of his guys to help with that team, but I don't think this team is sitting on 106 points without Igor Shosturkin. I think he's the reason why the Rangers have 106 points, and that's not to say that if they were playing Georgiev that the Rangers still wouldn't be a good team, but they're not as good i don't think they're a contender with georgiev i i I think that the rangers are where they are today second place possible division winners 50 wins on the season because of igor shesterkin
1: 36 11 and 4 for shesterkin on the air he's played in 51 games he started 50 he's allowed 99 goals this year chapman 99 goals in 50 starts, like it's ridiculous. That's how I, good I mean, he's been. Let,
0: let, let that sink in. Yeah. That's less than two goals a game. Unbelievable.
1: Yeah. Nine-day <laughs> percentage. Like far and away the best goaltender in the league. If he doesn't win the Vesna, I'm I'm going to uh, get on here and I'm going to yell extremely loudly for at least three minutes uh, about the Vesna. Uh, I swear I'm going to. But who
0: uh, who, who who in theory. Could steal it from him because there's there's not one name that really jumps out at me and I and I love Vasilevsky but I don't think it's been his year he hasn't had as good of a year as Justerkin.
1: Yeah, I I think that if there's one name that I can reasonably see as maybe a guy you look to, it, it'd be Freddie Anderson. And I think that there's kind of a lot of unknown right with with Anderson right now as to when he might be back for the Carolina Hurricanes he left the game over the weekend went underwent an MRI but there hasn't been any update on Freddie Anderson or his status uh, coming back the rest of the year so uh, but you know Freddie Anderson 51 starts 35 14 and 3 a 9-2-2 save percentage and a 2 goals against like I think he's probably the only guy in the stratosphere with Shesterkin but I, I think that This is a situation where you don't overthink things. Igor Shosturkin is clearly the best goalie in the league right now this season, and he's the Vesna candidate going away, and I think the biggest reason for why the New York Rangers have found themselves in a race for top spot in the Metropolitan Division. Now, let's talk about the Hart Trophy. Let's, uh, Let's stay on that for a minute. Jonathan Huberdeau. Is now your leading scorer this year. 111 points, one ahead of Connor McDavid. He capped off a three assist night yesterday by helping Alexander Barkov win the game in overtime and get a hat trick. Um, I'm not saying Huberdeau doesn't belong in the conversation. I'm just saying he doesn't belong in the top 3. That's all I've said when it comes to Huberdeau and the Hart Trophy, but I'm not I'm not terribly concerned about the Hart Trophy right now. Who's winning the scoring race, Chapman? Is it Jonathan Huberdeau? Is it Connor McDavid? Is it Johnny Gaudreau or is it Leon Draisaitl?
0: Well, I think Draisaitl's too far off the pace. He's 6 back. So I don't I don't think it's going to be him. I think it's going to be one of McDavid, Huberdeau, or Goudreau. And the way Johnny Goudreau has been playing the last two weeks of mm-hmm. the season,
1: mm-hmm.
0: I, I could see him doing it. Look, Calgary, I, I feel like they're, they're really clicking on all cylinders and, and maybe the outlier for them was the Golden Knights game, but man, I mean, he, he's been on a tear lately. He just got 600 career points. Now he's at 601. Um, I don't know if he, what, what he did last night, but it just it just makes me think that the way he's been playing lately, he's the one guy who could do it. Of course, I'm never going to count out McDavid. I mean, Edmonton's still playing important games for them. I think he's going to need to want to be firing on all cylinders going into the playoffs, but I, something tells me Goudreau is going to be the guy to do it.
1: If Connor McDavid doesn't win the scoring title, is it possible for him to be among the Hart Trophy finalists? He
0: shouldn't. I, I don't think he should. Is that unfair to Connor McDavid? Maybe, maybe a little bit. Um, but when you're widely considered the best player in the league, mm-hmm. I think you have to lead the league in scoring if you're going to win the MVP. It, it, it's it's really unfair on him. <laughs> but I think the expectations on Connor are so high already. Yeah. That that I do feel like there's a certain level of of. Well, he kind of didn't really play the best if if he doesn't lead the league in scoring because he's just that good. And the other thing is, and and it's not to take away from from the the the, the, the Calgary Flames and the guys that Johnny Gaudreau's playing with, mm-hmm. but Connor McDavid gets to play with Leon Draisaitl, who also has 105 points. And I understand that you know Elias Lindholm's had a really good season, Matthew Kachuk's had a really good season, but they're I not really
1: Matthew Kachuk might get to 100 points.
0: Yeah, but he's not Leon Drysettle. Like, I think if Matthew Kachuk gets there, it's like, well, he got there because Johnny Goudreau elevated him. Whereas with Drysettle, you just come to expect he's going to get 100 points.
1: Okay. So it is unfair to Connor McDavid. Absolutely but I'm, it is. Yeah. But I'm, I'm okay with that. Yeah. I, and, and I can't wait for Millard to get back here because I am going to, at some point, over the next over the next two weeks bring up the fact that Darren's bold prediction hot take before the end before the beginning of the year with Connor McDavid was that Connor would have more assists than the second lead than the second most uh points or than the guy that finished second in the points race would have points
0: all right you just totally confused me
1: yeah yeah, I know it was it was let me let me see if I can get this one out Darren said that Connor McDavid would have more assists than the guy that finished second in points would have points. So other, in, in other terms, if, if Connor McDavid had 110 assists, then the second guy on the list in, in leading the league in scoring would have less than 110 points.
0: Yes, I, I think you got it right. Yeah. The, the problem with that is Connor McDavid is not even going to lead the league in assists
1: he might not even lead the league in scoring. And that's the that's the beauty of all of this because I said that Connor McDavid would not lead the league in scoring. So you'll never find a bigger Jonathan Huberdeau fan than me over the next hmm, week and a half. Cale McCarr has broken the Avalanche record for points by a defenseman in a season. McCarr has 83 points, one more than the previous record holder, Steve Duchesne's 82 points in 92-93. So I ask you, Chris Chapman, Who's the best defenseman in the game right now, Kale McCarr or Roman Yosi?
0: That's that's tough. Um, I feel like McCarr is a lot more exciting and dynamic, mm-hmm. but Yosi's had a had a spectacular season as well. Um, I'm going to go with McCarr only because I, I I will pat myself on the back and said he was going to be a point of game guy, and uh. he clearly is far exceeded a point of game guy. So. I, you know, the, the the Norris Trophy is going to be really, really interesting this year. And I wonder if, if there's going to be some recency bias with Roman Yossi and he'll get it again. Or will the voters get it right and give it to Kale McCarr? Or could Adam Fox sneak in because he's had a phenomenal season as well. But I, I, I think it's a two-horse race. I mean, Fox has had a really good year, but I, I think it's going to come down to McCarr or Yossi. And I think McCarr should win it.
1: Yeah, I, I, I don't think Adam Fox is in the conversation. I, I think it's it's a two horse race: Kale McCarr, Roman Yosi. And the the thing with Roman Yosi is he's got more points. Um, like if Roman Yosi gets to a hundred points, then just lock it up right now for Roman Yosi. But at the same time, if Yosi doesn't hit a hundred points and Kale McCarr puts thirty goals in as a defenseman, I think it opens up the door for Kale McCarr. I, I to me he's just phenomenal he's closing in on you know one of the best seasons from the back end that you could ever look at and then don't discount the fact that Kale McCarr is a plus 48 on the year you look at plus minus Roman Yossi I think is just a plus 19 so it gives you an idea of just how dominating Kale McCarr is not just offensively but defensively as well so my vote goes to Kale McCarr but that's the beauty of these end-of-season awards. We will see all the different reasonings behind why you will talk yourself into one guy over the other. But those are your one-timers brought to you by Paul Powell, more lawyers, less fee. For Wednesday, April 20th, we're back with catching up with Chapman next on the VGK Insider
0: Show. <laughs> When the guy wouldn't stop talking, we had no choice but to give him his own segment. It's time for Catching Up with Chapman. All right, Ryan, well, something very cool happened today in a name that fans of the U.S. women's hockey team will recognize. Amanda Kessel, she joined the Pittsburgh Penguins on a one-year fellowship today, looking to fast-track her career into the front office of an NHL team, which is very cool, of course, Earlier in the season, we saw the Vancouver Canucks hire Cami Granado, another former member of the U.S. women's hockey team. And she's a Hockey Hall of Famer as well yeah. to be an assistant general manager. So, you know, I, I think it's very cool. You know, sometimes our sport does have a long way to go yeah. in, in, in some regards. But I think in terms of incorporating women into the game, I don't know if there's a better game out there than hockey because women's hockey we really seem to embrace it a lot and and of course it's huge for us during the Olympics the rivalry with Canada but I just think it it, kind of speaks volumes to the the fact that the league recognizes that there are women who can do these jobs in the front office and they're being recognized for it I mean obviously Granado and Amanda Kessel have fantastic hockey minds so it's not shocking that, that teams would recognize that but I think sometimes it leagues are a bit of afraid to do things like that but i i find it fantastic and absolutely incredible and awesome that the nhl is is embracing this and we're seeing more and more women break into roles in the front office
1: yeah i mean i think it's important to anytime you're looking to to fill a role or anytime you're trying to uh, gain gain a competitive edge like you, you got to open it up to the to the best minds in the world and you know, to me, like when you talk about Amanda Kessel, you talk about Cameron Granado, you talk about some of the, the, the women that have played elite hockey at a at a national level and, and done it for years and years and years. The understanding of the game is the understanding of the game. Understanding where players are in development, all of that is incredibly important. And, you know, if you're a franchise looking to gain the upper hand or, or find a, a different perspective or view, this makes incredible sense so yeah i'm with you chapman representation is incredibly important it's vital uh but but so is getting the right minds and the right people in place and and it looks like that's what the penguins are certainly opening themselves up to and we've seen it uh with with various other organizations
0: yeah and penguins have a little familiarity with uh a kessel (laughs) so uh it's cool to see her breaking in and it's cool to see her do it with the penguins
1: yeah that's a good point um yeah, Amanda Kessel, Phil Kessel. Like, who's the most famous Kessel? I don't know.
0: I, I, you know what? I think it's a tie.
1: Who's the best hockey-playing Kessel? I, I'm
0: not really I, sure. I, I, you know what? They're both really good.
1: Yeah, you're absolutely right. Okay, Chapman, that's going to do it for us here on the VGK Insider Show. I'm going to take a five-minute break. I'll be right back.